Hi, this is Eugene Jarvis, and welcome to Video Game Bullshit! This is Jeffrey Wittenhagen. I'm an author of multiple gaming books, including collector's guides for both the Nintendo and Super Nintendo. I'm a huge fan of action RPGs like The Legend of Zelda and obscure systems like the Neo Geo and TurboGrafx-16. And we've got God. Hey, hey. I'm big into uh, no-death runs, high-score runs, uh, collector of all things, vintage and retro. Uh, pretty much anything video game related. Also collect figures, vinyl, VHS, tap handles, old beer signs, and old beer steins. Please call our number, leave a voicemail or a text message at 262-264-VGBS. Nothing like NBA Jam, baby. This whole episode just came from us being crazy as shit and remembering awesome arcade sports games that aren't like traditional sports games. A lot of those games run into each other as being very similar from year to year, just updating the roster. But then there's certain games like NBA Jam that stand above the flock. Well, they're like a standout where they over-exaggerate one aspect of the sport that makes it extremely fun. An entertainment thing that anyone can enjoy, even if you like basketball or you don't. That's the thing. Yep. And, like, a little interesting, like, tidbits on, like, NBA Jam is that it was, you know, initially released in the arcades in 93 by Midway, but... It's kind of like a spiritual successor to Arch Rivals on the NES and in the arcades. Because it was a two-on-two with all the crazy dunks and everything. But NBA Jam added the crazy-ass, over-the-top dunks and... He's on fire! (laughs) The crazy-ass fucking guy. Yeah, and Dr. J versus uh, Larry Bird... They even had the spot where you would break the backboard and the little janitor would come out and clean up the the mess. Little robot. Yeah. (laughs) So that's the beginning. And then they, like, released it on the NES as Jordan vs. Bird. Jordan vs. Because Jordan's a commodity, right? By then, Jordan was a big deal. Yeah. Dr. J's gone down south. Now Jordan's the big man. So the crazy thing about NBA Jam is we all think of, like, Marv Albert, the classic, you know, basketball commentator that the the guy sounds <laughs> boom jagalaka. <laughs> yeah. But really it's Tim Kitzrow who did the voice just sounds like him. So that's why we can all like completely intimidate it. You know, intimidate, yes. In- <laughs> imitate it. <laughs> <laughs> that's a good voice though. It's definitely intimidating if you're a voice actor. That's right. Whoa. <laughs> Is it the shoes? Razzle dazzle. You've won. Ding, 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 ding. It goes right in. Shakies. The shakies throwback, yes. <laughs> so, the crazy thing is, is that apparently NBA Jam, the original, earned over a billion dollars in quarters. 
I can, I, yeah, I, I believe it, dude. One year later, it was supposedly <laughs> the highest earning arcade game of all time at in 1994, but like the, the year after it was released. That's crazy. I have to mention here, and with Mortal Kombat, I was working for a printing company in Chicago, and Midway was selling all their shit off, and we actually did the printing for all the actual papers, so I saw what, like, Boone was paid, what Tobias was paid, all their salaries, and because I had to proof all of it as the supervisor of the print shop. Nice. So it's just really interesting where it's such a small world. The two biggest sells were Mortal Kombat 1 and NBA Jam. Those were the two things that kept Midway high and far beyond the rest. And um, they brought back Ed Boone to do consulting, and they paid him, like, give us the numbers. Yeah, I would say it was... (laughs) Two to three hundred grand a year he was making off consulting as a consultant for Midway. Yeah, it was probably like two fifty upwards of three hundred. Yeah, it was nice, man. Freaking classics, though. Get to know all the details, and you got a little inside scoop on Midway, which is badass. Perfect for this freaking little episode too. And the big thing was that the whole thing with that job they went bankrupt basically, so. They sold a lot on the NBA Jam and the Mortal Kombat 1, but they could never follow that up with something. And that's why they went broke. Think about with NBA Jam, they created a whole series of games on NBA Jam. About like, you know, six or seven different NBA Jams with all the different versions and years and everything. Tournament Edition was a a follow-up, but then there was a bunch of others. And then they created an NFL version, NHL version, MLB version. You had NFL Blitz, a two-on-two open ice challenge, MLB Slugfest, which were all arcade sports games that they tried to rekindle the spirit of NBA Jam. And you know some of them were popular, but not even close to NBA Jam. Like, looking at the numbers, when you looked at Mortal Kombat 1 and NBA Jam compared to everything else, it was like the biggest drop-off you can imagine. It's crazy. It shows you too, though, like that when you hit your masterpiece, even if you do the same thing to the extreme, which is what NBA Jam Tournament Edition did, was it took NBA Jam and did it like to the extreme. Mm-hmm. It still isn't going to make as much as the initial time when it exploded. That gangbusters thing, like everyone is like tuned in. Yeah. Like your your mother knows about it, your grandma knows about it. <laughs> That's when it's like sick. Like, how do you fucking know about NBA Jam? Like when it's on the news, you know? Yeah, always all over. Mortal Kombat was NBA Jam was. It was crazy. And Mortal Kombat with the gore and NBA Jam with is just the sheer entertainment. The thing that's crazy too is that like, I think the first time I played NBA Jam was with you. On the Sega Genesis at Tammy's house when she lived in Cedar Lake, Indiana. She lived there for like a very small amount of time where she had a little pool in her yard. That was by like the, it was like an abandoned school, right? <laughs> yeah, there was an abandoned school over there. And, and and Tammy had a Genesis and you brought over your your copy of NBA Jam. I think that, because I don't, I never played it in the arcade before that. I played it after that in the arcade. 
actually remember that night, which is fucked up. Yeah, because you come in and the, there was the living room uh-huh. was the main room where we played in, and it had the TV. And then the kitchen was like off this side, and then when you went down the hallway, that's where you hit like the bedrooms. I totally remember that. That's fucking crazy. So to put things into perspective for the listeners, my nephew Zach, who is now over drinking age, was born right around that time. <laughs> yeah, he was just a little tyke. Like, literally, this is over 20 years ago. Because, <laughs> like, I mean, NBA Jam is about 25 years old. So, that is freaking rad. Like, <laughs> so we were playing that some bitch on the, the Genesis. That's where we originally carved our skills. Yeah. Together, though, because we... Played it nonstop. We were always an awesome team, which... If you had two really good players together, you it was fucking unbelievably awesome. Couldn't be touched. And it's crazy too because like later on when I um moved into the Indiana house, like which was right before we started recording VGBS for the first time, uh we booted up uh Je- the Genesis and NBA Jam in the basement in uh, Mishawaka, and we were playing, and it was like we hadn't missed a beat. We were destroying the computer. It was amazing. It's like riding a bike. Like, the skills didn't depreciate at all. It was amazing. And I never owned it on the Genesis. I just only played it with you on the Genesis. I owned NBA Jam Tournament Edition later on the Super Nintendo. That was because I I never had a Genesis till later on collecting. And here's what's weird: like when I play with John, like we can't win like a a match. But <laughs> when I play with John on General Chaos, we can like play through the game forever. Whereas like when me and you yeah. play General Chaos, we're we're kind of like okay. But if we play it NBA Jam, we're like stellar. It's really weird how the different people and the different mindsets like change the whole situation you know yeah it's different skill sets and i think general chaos too if you have one player that's stellar like john they can they can almost <laughs> like just run the board yeah because john's a badass at that game neither of us are stellar at strat and we're okay at it and he is john's like a strat master that's like all he plays is you know dark wizard stuff you know Exactly. Anything that's really esoteric and no, like um, the Koi stuff. That's what he grew up on, though. It's funny, though. You show him a Koi game, he's like, he's like, oh, cool. This is awesome. <laughs> I'm like, I don't even know what the fuck's going on. I go, another Koi game? <laughs> like, that's what I do. I feel like I'm watching an accountant like crunch numbers. Oh, exactly. Where I don't even know. It might as well be like hieroglyphs to me. It might as well be Greek to me. Like, I don't even know what the fuck you're doing. <laughs> yeah, there's there's certain streamlined strategy games that I really connect with me. But even just when I see strategy, it's a turnoff. Because if it ends up being one of the classic style, I just don't enjoy them that much. The more streamlined would be like Armed for Battle that we've mentioned for the NES. The homebrew game that Frank made. That one's pretty streamlined. It's ones where you don't have to have a million different moving pl- pieces all at the same time. That's why I'd like to, not just John, but I'd like to get John's dad on the cast. <laughs> not We don't want John. We want his dad, who's the innovator. John's dad is like the 
the originator of the strategy. Like, he taught all his kids, like, as he would play it, they would be in the basement watching, you know. So it, it's just like you would come on to that. And when they missed a move, he'd beat their ass. <laughs> it was like with me, with, with Joey Lee, watching him play Mario 2 or Double Dragon, where it's like, oh, I gotta get these now. Imagine if that was your dad. <laughs> I, I was always so jealous of that. Where it's like, man, your fucking dad like plays strategy games. Like you can get up out of bed, go in the basement, and your dad's playing a fucking video game. Like that is the coolest thing in the world. Maybe that's like kind of how uh, London is, where her dad is fucking video game lair. Yeah, <laughs> and she comes over into my room, and the the greatest thing was, and actually goes with our Super Mario Memories episode that we uploaded. Um, she came in this morning and goes hey dad i had a crazy dream where i want to make a game where you play as princess peach and you go around and you talk to mario then he follows you around then you talk to bowser and he follows you around hmm like an rpg so then i explained to her what super mario rpg is yeah (laughs) and she's like that sounds amazing. That's what she was she got all excited and I was like, Yeah, as soon as you learn how to read really well, we'll start playing. She's like, Well, we could read it together. <laughs> I was like, she wants to play it already. Yeah. Perfect daughter. The bigger the fucking love, the bigger the fucking show. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. But the thing is with NBA Jam, I think the most important thing is that you made a sports game appeal to everyone. Yeah. Yeah, that was it. Even people that could give a shit about watching basketball played this game and enjoyed it because it was so over-the-top and fun. That's the key. And it wasn't five-on-five traditional. You had to worry about all the crazy different aspects. It's just two-on-two. Run your ass down and try to dunk over everybody. Yeah, the simplicity is a big point because when it gets too complicated, then you reach that you, like, cut people off, you know? Yeah. And, I mean, the other thing, of course, with NBA Jam that's an amazing aspect was all the crazy-ass fucking codes. And the secret, like, Bill Clinton and stuff? Yeah, so you had, like, (laughs) Bill Clinton, you had the Mortal Kombat characters, you had freaking, I think, Hillary and Al Gore, and... Yeah, yeah, yeah. The Grim Reaper, and... (laughs) Like and some of these were in tournament edition as well, um, crazy yeah. and of course a lot of the different developers too were over there as codes. And I had it on Genesis the original. The reason to get the tournament on Genesis was because they added all the secret characters. They had more on tournament. They had some definitely on the original, but they added like all the crazy shit on tournament. It reminds me of, like, how Mortal Kombat did, like, Trilogy. Mm-hmm. So, a little trivia. Midway did not secure the license to use Michael Jordan's name in either of the games. However, here's the thing. There's a limited edition version of the game that Michael Jordan has that he's in. He owns it. <laughs> And it's the same thing with Gary Payton, who was uh, part of the Seattle Supersonics at the time. He um, also was not in the game. Yeah, Michael Jordan owns the rights of his own name and likeness, and not the NBA, so they couldn't license Michael Jordan without getting it from him. 
himself. And then later on in the home version, it says that Shaquille O'Neal was in the arcades, but not in the home version for the Orlando Magic. Ah, so is that true? That's what it says on the interwebs. Um, I don't remember seeing Shaq. I remember seeing him in the arcades. But yeah, definitely Jordan was definitely not in NBA Jam because I always wanted to play as him. And it was always Pippen, Grant, and um, BJ Armstrong. I bet that's like a Mandela effect. Yeah. Where people swear that Jordan existed. But it's crazy. The trivia one is that a limited edition version of the game does have an additional team composed of Gary Payton and Michael Jordan um, that was developed for their personal use. That's crazy. That's fucking crazy for sure because, I mean, he had the shoes and Gatorade, and so he was a huge commodity. So to pay him would be, like, would cut your costs, like, severely because of he was so high up in the, the ladder at that point. He deserved it, though. Even stuff like like the, the flu game he played, he had the fucking flu and he got, like, the highest scoring stats in the game. Like, even when he's at his sickest, he is better than everybody. That's Jordan. <laughs> That's why you, it's like you'll never see that again. Even, like, Kobe Bryant and stuff, you'll still never see a Jordan. Yeah. Yeah. Which is why his shoes, his shoes still sell, you know. So so it does say on the the webs is that like due to re- like when the home console versions came out they came out like later than the arcade so certain like Charles Barkley and Shaquille O'Neal were in some and not in others depending on the console version so Shaq might be in the Genesis version but not in the Super Nintendo version or vice versa it's freaking crazy also I want to throw that in with where the NBA Jam came in was when the Bulls dynasty was kind of, you know, on fire. <laughs> oh, yeah, and that continued all the way through NBA hang time. And the interesting thing is, is so NBA Jam, like, split off from NBA hang time, where it's because, like, Midway and Acclaim had somewhat of a falling out, and Acclaim did all, like, the console versions and got the exclusive rights to NBA Jam which the franchise went to shit because it went to like NBA Jam Extreme and it was like three, they went to 3D and it was garbage. Whereas Midway changed it to NBA Hang Time and added and just made it crazier, more over the top. <laughs> and then Acclaim though did a college slam, like NBA Jam with college players, but it just wasn't as cool because you just don't know the players. Like When I saw NBA Hang Time, I was like, this is exactly NBA Jam, like how are they how is this possible but you know they pulled it off it was midway so yeah yeah they pulled it off and the controls everything and with me you know i always had problems with the n64 the analog controller sometimes but with this game it was pick up and play i didn't use the analog controller (laughs) as the classic yeah it had that uh the d-pad on the 64 right yeah and the crazy thing is, is that they added like alley oops and double slam dunks in NBA hang time, and both players could get on fire. And that's where our crazy NBA hang time story comes into play. Because if Kyle and I were pretty 
fucking good on the Genesis version of NBA Jam, we were unstoppable playing NBA Hang Time. And this goes to where we had our sleepover with Cecil. He had an awesome birthday party. So we got to go in the Cecil. Hell yeah, we do. <laughs> Even I don't know um, like how you met him and stuff, though. So Cecil went to the same school as me. So I, I knew him for years and years. We were in track and field and played drumline. He was in the band. He did saxophone or whatever. Like he, I knew him for forever. And he was a really good egg, like a really wholesome guy. His family was very religious. They went to like the Christian church where you were, you would go there and do get togethers and spend like a whole day there or a week there or whatever. Like it was crazy stuff, but they were very holy. So he was like very wholesome. Yeah, he, he just had a lot of patience and. If someone would go was going nuts at his house, I could see him being like, "You should probably like calm down. <laughs> you you should calm down." Son. Instead of in my house, I'd be like, "Get the fuck out, jams it in." <laughs> <laughs> like I kicked some people out the other week. So yeah, it's just like the other week. Yes, I gotta hear this story. <laughs> Let's hear it. John and Eric getting too drunk. Like <laughs> fuck out of here. <laughs> We got back from Casa del Mar, and uh, John had just drank way too fucking much. And Margarita Massacres? Well, he has shots. When he has hard alcohol, that's when he goes down the fucking drain. And Yes. So that's when Bad Johnny comes out. Bad Johnny! <laughs> he always starts grabbing on people and hugging on people and, like, grabbing at their clothes. And it's like, dude, you're fucking stretching my shit, you know? Don't fucking grab on me, you know? <laughs> I tell him a few times, and... Then he starts grabbing on Eric, and I'm like, all right, you're fucking done. You guys got the fuck out of here. Grabbing on Eric. He's jumping <laughs> up and down and just too much. Was was Eric wearing his ridiculous scarf? <laughs> oh, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> you own a scarf, yes. <laughs> Did John pull on his kerchief like he was, like, playing ghost? He's trying to play his <laughs> metrosexual self out. Trying to get laid. <laughs> his his Moby look. <laughs> and we were, we were going to have a punk song called uh, You Own a Sweater and You Own a Scarf. <laughs> Those are two songs. <laughs> like, wow. You own a scarf. You own a scarf. <laughs> <laughs> oh, it's too good. Yeah, they just get too wild, and I just, I'm just not one to fucking deal with that shit, so I fucking kick him out of my house, you know. <laughs> kicked him out. <laughs> get out. The fuck out. Like, all right, we're done. It's, no, you're getting the fuck out of here. <laughs> you said push him out, slam the door, and lock it. <laughs> so, yeah, I'll kick people out, man. That's amazing. That goes right into the perfect NBA hang time story. <laughs> Going crazy. Evil Kyle. <laughs> hey, I told you like three times. Get your shit together. I hate people that get drunk and they can't... Can't handle their fucking booze. Anyone who fucking can't handle their shit, I'm like, all right. You're done. Get the fuck out. Exactly. <laughs> get the fuck out. Get the fuck out. All right, so that brings us to uh, Cecil's trailer. Cecil's trailer of <laughs> treasure trees yeah. and trolls. Trolls. <laughs> so we had the Cecil's trailer birthday party. Troglodytes. <laughs> Troglodytes. <laughs> trailer troglodytes. 
Yeah, so we were there. Um, I can't. I know we had some delicious pizza. The next day. The next day. But but the night was the classic. Yeah, so Cecil like didn't have a whole lot of money, but he had a Nintendo sixty four, and I was still in my rental mode. So of course I rented NBA Hang Time for the Nintendo sixty four. And so we were playing, and nobody really realized how good Kyle and I were at NBA Jam. So we hadn't played probably in a while up to that point. So we just were like, yeah, we'll be on a team. (laughs) And, like, I can't remember, but there's Cecil's little buddy, Robbie Binder, who um, he was just playing with, I don't know if it was Cecil or Cecil's brother, but, like, Kyle and I were just destroying, like not even getting scored on. We never lost the whole night. We never lost the whole night, and we were playing like losers leave. and Yeah, so it was if whoever wins, then you get to be like the emperor, and then they challenge you. So yeah. the whole night we were, we were the emperor, and people were getting pissed off at us because they couldn't fucking do shit. And we were talking smack. <laughs> it was it was almost like a magical time. It was like a magical night that I'll never forget because we we realized like how our practice really paid off and like because we had already played NBA Jam before that, so tons. The fact that we could just stomp. I mean, it was like a Tyrannosaurus Rex stomp. I mean, it, was, it was though. It was, it was like bad. no one even got within. I'm not. There's certain games I'm not good at. Sure, like I'm not saying I'm fucking great or whatever. But there's certain games that I am good at, and certain games that Jeff's good at. And if you combine us, it's fucking gangbusters, dude. Yep, and like I can't remember how you you turned into the crazy evil Kyle. <laughs> Robbie Biner started talking shit because they couldn't beat us, so he started getting, uh. you know, mad. You know, that that male... Testosterone. You know, mentality. Yeah, the testosterone, like, building up and stuff, and <laughs> no one talks shit to me. <laughs> I don't let talk, people talk shit to me. I'm not a pushover. If you talk shit to me, I'll talk shit right back. You know, you want to take it outside, let's fucking go. I, I just remember it got to a point where I'm, like, pulling Kyle off the skin. <laughs> it was great. Kyle's going to, like, kill him. It's like, you motherfucker. You got these holy people, they're churchgoers. Kyle, they're motherfucker. <laughs> Going crazy. Hey, open your mouth. Open your mouth and you pound to get a fucking payment and receipt into it. <laughs> Yeah, Bam Bam Bigelow style. <laughs> payment and receipt. Bam Bam Bigelow's classic line, like, yeah, I gave him a receipt. I gave him the whole fucking cash register. <laughs> <laughs> I just remember, like, you were like, your hair was moving all right. <laughs> you had the crazy Kyle haircut back then. <laughs> remember your head just moving, like, I'm gonna fucking kill you. <laughs> <laughs> It was just so classic. He's like, it was just like snapping. He's lost. And that it. was the next day where we went to like. It was like in a car. <laughs> we went to an arcade and we had like pizza. It was kind of like your classic uh, 
Chuck E. Cheese Celebration Station. I don't remember what it was called, though. Yeah, I don't remember if it was Showbiz Pizza. That works. Yeah, I think it was. Because I'd never been to Showbiz. I think it was like, that's weird. I'd never seen this before. None of that, that sounds about right. And it was the same fucking pizza, though, that you would get it. Hell yeah, it was. <laughs> Chuck E. Cheese, which was great, Celebration Station. Yeah, oh my god, that pizza was so good. Like, thin crust. It might have been Celebration Station, even. I don't even know. Oh. Oh, man. Pizza's just the best. There's nothing like those old parties, though, where... Oh, I really miss, like, being a kid. And then you would they would give you, like, a little goodie bag and shit. Remember that? Oh, I, I remember that <laughs> because my daughter's doing it now, and I have to... <laughs> oh, so they still do the goodie bags? Hell yeah. Oh, cool. Like, we just had, like, when you're younger, too, it's not just friends, but it's, like, the entire class. You have to invite everyone. <laughs> Especially in this age where, like, no one's left behind, you know? Everybody's a, a blue uh, ribbon winner. So I did, like, London's birthday party right before we moved, because she has a January birthday. Like, she had, like, shit tons of kids. And they're all there. So that's where I do the hot and ready pizzas. So I go over to go over to Little Caesar, and I would get like a ton of hot and ready pizzas, and I just bring them. That's what I was doing for uh, for her birthday party. See, those are the memories that kids, when they grow up, are going to be like, "Man, life was good," because <laughs> it was. I mean, honestly, exactly. Fuck, we had nothing to like fret about. That was the thing. My dad was always like, "Oh, just wait, you know, till you have a job and all that." He was right. <laughs> It's just funny how that works, but... Oh, yeah. Yeah, like, Cecil was super cool. His family was super cool. And we... The whole night, though, we never lost once. Nope. We never lost one time. And... (laughs) It's funny, because the more we played, the better we got, too. (laughs) So then we're just, like, you know... Start getting fancy. We were like, I just remember the the team fire. Like we were always on fire, like the whole time. Like they couldn't touch us. Like once we got on fire, it was over. And then when you're on fire, it it you know increases because you're getting threes and faster than everyone else. Yeah. So you're taking advantage of all the little nuances of the game, destroying everyone. We would always just pick the best team. <laughs> Yeah, the Bulls was generally the best. Um, Hornets were good, too. Oh, yeah. We always like to get someone with, like, two good dunkers, though. Because a lot of times you have a team. And I think in tournament, right, you could change it. They would have three players on a team, and you can switch it between, like, um, a shooter and a dunker. Isn't that what it was? Yeah, and you could switch it between halftime, I think. Because I remember the I used to love the Hornets because you could have Alonzo Mourning, old grandmama, freaking uh, Larry Johnson, and then you had Muggsy Bogues, the little short guy. And that was, like, my favorite team from NBA Jam Tournament Edition. Um, I, I can't remember if Hangtime had the same three. It always cracked me up because you always have, like, the short white guy who was, like, the three-point dude. Yeah, <laughs> the classic was like John Stockton. Stockton. Yes, yeah. that's exactly what I was thinking of. <laughs> John Stockton and Carl Malone. Carl Malone. <laughs> Get Carl Malone over here. <laughs> Tony Kukoc. <laughs> Kukoc and Steve Kerr. Steve Kerr. Yes. Hell yeah. Well, because in the hang time, I think it wasn't just three characters. It went up to like four or five that you could rotate through. There was like more characters because by then. But like 
NBA Jam and TE, it was just three. And then NBA Jam, the original, is just two. So yeah. thinking on that end, we always prefer to just have two strong dunkers, but who had other, like, decent abilities. So they showed, you know, like, just stats of each player. And, and did we? I remember I used to call Pippin, I used to call him Pip Shit. <laughs> Pip Shit. Pip Shit. <laughs> Go pick up Pip Shit over here. Well, speaking of Pippin, there was a point where he was, I think he was with his daughter at a bar or a restaurant. Some guy asked for his autograph. He said no. The guy called him a derogatory term. You know, you can fill in the blank there. <laughs> and Pippin fucking Pippin punched him so hard he needed reconstructive surgery on his face. Damn right he did. <laughs> I mean, does something that's fucking ignorant, you're gonna get your ass beat. Like so, don't fuck with those guys, man. <laughs> They're a lot stronger than you are. <laughs> They're athletes, man. Like jams it in. <laughs> So I had to throw that in there. <laughs> Pippin destroying him. <laughs> amazing. Yeah, he got sued, but I think he kind of won. He probably had to pay some settlement, but... Oh, oh, he, he won. He is a legend now. <laughs> Craziness, though. It's like, hell yeah. <laughs> Basically, the guy's like, can I have an autograph? And he's like, I'm with my daughter. Can you please leave us alone? It's got to get really annoying, though, if you think about it. Yeah, I mean... You gotta think when you're a certain level of recognizable star mm-hmm. that eventually it's gonna wear thin. And then there's just certain days you're like, leave me the fuck alone. Yeah, you just woke up on the wrong side of the bed, you know? I mean, if you're at an autograph signing or something, then yeah, I'd fucking pip up. You fucking sign, sign the shit. You know what you're in for? But, like, if you're just eating fucking a meal with your family, like... That's what it was. The guy called him, like, the N-word. Like, all right, you're done. Oh, jeez. Yeah. Yeah. Kill him. All right, die. (laughs) Should have got his ass beat for that anyways. Surprised he got out of there alive. (laughs) (laughs) Right? Fucking idiots. (laughs) Wow. In front of his daughter. I'm surprised his daughter didn't kick his ass. (laughs) <laughs> yeah, it's like kicking him, like, when he's passed out. Shit, stomping him fucking Pesci style. <laughs> 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 fucking idiots. Your fucking shine box. Like, you're asking a dude for his autograph, and then he says, no, can you give me some privacy? And then he says something derogatory, like, really? What a fucking dork. Yeah, that was a classic. Yeah, we had covered that in one of our programs. Where's like violence? Was that with Shelly? <laughs> <laughs> the Batmobile one. <laughs> Shelly. That was another good one. Shelly getting his face stomped. <laughs> God. Oh fuck. <laughs> that was the the Batmobile. There was some kind of lawsuit with that too. The Batmobile lost his wheel and Joker got away. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> I just love that Shelly's best memory of that case was him, like, actually getting into the Batmobile and taking a picture, like... <laughs> that's, like, all I cared about, like... Does he still have the crazy fro? I didn't... No, <laughs> oh, um, it's shorter. Short little fro. He's, like, successful as hell, man. Well, I mean, if he's good at his profession, then, you know, well worth it. I think attorneys get, at the minimum, like, $600 an hour... 
And people have attorneys, like, assigned to them, you know, like, celebrities, full-time. So they just put them on, like, a salary. <laughs> put them on a retainer. Yeah, like, damn, this dude's getting so much money. Fucking classic, and it all comes full circle to crazy ass attorneys and Midway going out of business and Midway going out of business. <laughs> <laughs> all with Kyle's work. Yeah, everything fell fell down for Midway during that time. It was really weird. I think because they couldn't reproduce another Gangbusters release. Well, the crazy thing is, is that you get. Set in your ways, so NBA Jam and Mortal Kombat went crazy, so then let's do the follow-up, and then they make as many of the follow-up as they did of the originals, and when it doesn't sell gangbusters, <laughs> then they're out money. It's like bleeding it out. Yeah. You bleed it out so far that it's just like a dead horse be- getting beat. And that's like where, I don't know, like if, if you let the, that run the business, that's where things become crazy, because... If you go about things logically, you only want to produce what you can earn. So it would be like me taking a book that was moderately successful and printing as many as the most popular book I've ever had and and then just sitting on the shit. And and that's how I feed my family. And it would be like, oh shit, now I'm going to have to go bankrupt because the book that was moderately successful isn't selling gangbusters. Like, that's kind of how companies like midway went was they just kind of kept going crazy as things went up and expenses Uh went up they Uh could not replicate the success it's crazy makes sense yeah they they thought they could so they put the the money into it but it didn't give them back um because there's like lightning in a bottle you know there's that magic you can't you can't recreate something like Mortal Kombat or NBA Jam, overnight, it's it's a magic thing. And you got to imagine, too, is as it got bigger, they had to hire more employees. And then the employers are then on the payroll, and then they got to keep paying them, and then those employees weren't part of the original magic, so they're not able to replicate it. And it just it constantly just spitballs out of control. Like, I can completely see it getting out of hand. Yeah, it's kind of like when you photocopy something over and over, it loses its quality. Yeah. When you bring in these new employees, they don't they they weren't there for the initials, so they don't they don't have skin in the game. Well, and it's we've we've talked about that before too, where it's like they may not be as passionate as yeah. we are on something. Or... Yeah, the passionate part because they 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 weren't there during when like the grassroots part. Exactly. When when you could really see like oh this this will be just be an okay game and then all of a sudden it's like crazy overnight blows up and that's the thing though that's why I, I think NBA Jam and Mortal Kombat and all those games have stood the test of time and it's really cool that we have some solid memories of NBA Jam and NBA Hang Time that we have from history it's like really fun yeah that was the one night where. We just were unstoppable. The one night we yeah. could not be touched. Yeah, we're going to have to, like, maybe one year at Midwest Gaming Classic, just fire up NBA Jam on the arcade, in the arcade room, or on a console with four players and just see if anybody can take us down. <laughs> yeah, cause that was the thought that I got, that since we're cousins, we have that similar, like, 
brain output. Yeah. So when you have that, you like meld. Oh, yeah, and we have all the experience playing the games together, too. I mean, a lot of the cooperative action-style games we mesh real well with. Double Dragon 2, Double Dragon 4, the newer one. Because you put yourself to the side, and it's more about, like, the group of what's best for that situation. Yeah. Where I think a lot of people, they're not good team players because they're too, like, on their own end. You know, they're too selfish, like, about them. But when we play, it's like, what's best for the situation? And what's what's ironic about that is it makes you look better anyway, because... Can't be stopped. You do better. I think that's a place where we could put a bow on it. Thank you for listening to VGBS. We appreciate everybody taking the time to get through this whole uh, Archer's podcast. We love it. Thank you, thank you, thank you. If you want to correspond with us, you can email us at bgbspodcast at gmail.com. We also have a phone number. It is 262264BGBS. You can leave us a voicemail, shoot us a text message. Um, whatever you want to do, correspond. Also, comment on us. Shoot us a message on Facebook, Twitter, Google+. We love hearing what people um, think about the podcast. All right, see you later. Woo! Later! Later!